Hello and welcome to my first episode of my podcast called Rape Hurts. Um, I don't really know where to start, but I just know that I do want to start. Um, I feel like so much of what I experienced has become so much of my life that it's like, it's hard to not have it in my mind. And um, I'm not the kind of person to just easily be defeated. And so even though these things um, that I've gone through hurt me so much, um, I feel like I need to do something about that. And I feel like I most definitely want to do something about it. And what drives me to continue to want to do something is... um, me going on my own journey, my own journey of healing, me starting my own journey of healing. And um, in starting my own journey, I have come across a lot of things that I did not know were things that people like me go through. Um, You know, it's a very scary thing to embark on, you know, going on the journey of just trying to figure out like what happened to you and trying to make sense of it. It's not, it's not an easy, it's not an easy task. And, um, you know, even coming to terms with being raped, it's not something that, um, it's it's something that I've had to come to terms with. And, um, that alone is like a life changing thing. Even though I, in my heart, my subconscious, I'm aware of it. Consciously, I don't want to be aware of it. And every single time it comes to me, every single time there's like a thought and a realization of it, it makes me sick to my stomach. And it, it haunts me as if it just happened yesterday. Um, I would like to share my story, my full story, like all in one setting. But I know it's going to be a lot. Because what happened to me involves a sex offender who was way older than me that did not look his age, who lied about his age and his name, which resulted in me being manipulated, obviously raped. And this happened for a year. Um, it was more it was more than one time. Uh, it's a very complex situation. And then I ended up getting pregnant with my son who was just turned 13, February 18th, 2022. And, um, yeah, it's, it's hard because, um, it wasn't just one occurrence. It wasn't just, it wasn't a stranger. Um, you know, the person never said they did not do it. It's just that the way that it was brought up it was like the way that it happened it was like a switch flipped in this person and then the rape happened and then he was sorry and before I could even realize what happened to me or process it the sorry came which made me feel like oh he didn't mean to do that and so any any feelings of what happened to me or why or the fact that this did happen kind of went out the window because it was like I didn't I didn't know it was a mistake, you know, to him from what he said. He didn't mean to 
Um, so automatically it made me feel guilty and like I couldn't hold him responsible to a degree. And so um, the mindfuck of all of this, I tried so hard to uh, not pay attention to it. I tried very hard to ignore it, um, especially while I was pregnant with my son. Um, he actually attempted to rape me when I was pregnant with my son, one of the two attempts. And um, I had to go to the emergency room because he sat on my stomach. And so it's like I'm starting this podcast because so much happened to me uh, when, when I met this guy. Um, it took him months. He prayed on me for months. And so... I'm going to talk about that, but I'm going to end this. So I don't have any introductions. I'm just kind of like the person that just shoots shoots straight from the hip um, when it comes to things like this. Um, I wanted to actually talk about what is acquaintance rape. Because a lot of people do not know, as I did not know, exactly what it was or what it is. And when I went through it, um, I, I was not aware. And so for me, so many years later, to come into the knowledge of the term acquaintance rape, as well as the term that is very, very much unknown called um, unacknowledged rape, I think it just really hit home even more to the point where there was no denying it. Um I am reading this from Wikipedia, and um, it pretty much spells it out. So I'm just going to read this and then kind of, you know, touch bases on something when um, I feel the need to. Um, thank you for listening, and I hope that this helps somebody because it definitely helped me. And I feel like the more I share and the more I, um, you know, talk about my experience in my own way, it's, it's very healing. You know, I've already started my healing journey, but I feel like it's, I want to connect with others and I want to get this out of me because um, it's just become a struggle to live with just having it inside of me. It says acquaintance rape is rape that is perpetrated by a person who knows the victim. Examples of acquaintances include someone the victim is dating, a classmate, coworker, employer, family member, spouse, counselor, therapist, religious official, or medical doctor. Acquaintance rape includes a subcategory of incidents labeled as date rape that involves people who are in romantic or sexual relationships with each other. When a rape is perpetrated by a college student on another student, the term campus rape is sometimes used. Most rapes are perpetrated by a person known to the victim. Let's just stop there. I was one of those people who thought that uh, only a stranger could rape you. I was one of those people who thought that rape could only occur if you were walking in the alley by yourself during the day or at night, didn't matter. If you were in your home alone or asleep, if somebody broke into your home. Um, if you were like in a park and somebody grabbed you into the bushes. Like, I was not told or taught, nor did I see too many examples of rape happening by a person that you actually know 
And it wasn't until a few years ago that I started to kind of dissect this whole thing in therapy and just on my own when I allowed myself to think about it and go through it. That is when I realized how, like, what happened to me and how serious this was. And um, one of the one of the greatest myths that causes rape victims to not realize that they've been raped, and then when they do find out or realize it, it is so hard. Um, one of those things is the fact that it can't happen by someone that you know, that it can't happen to you by someone that you know. So it can't be a husband. It can't be a boyfriend that people most definitely think it can't be somebody who you are already intimate with. And so, um, you know, you have the right to control your body and you have the right to say no to whether it's a husband, whether it is um, a boyfriend or even if it's a stranger, even if it's a friend, if you don't want to do it, that is just what it is. And that's actually the reason why when it happened to me, my way of kind of expressing it and telling people about it that I was like going to church with, my way of talking to them about it in very, very indirectly was protesting. I did not want to get married. And you know, a thing in church was, um, you know, you have to be married if you want to have sex. And so I remember I was sitting in a group, um, one of the little, the little, they called them life groups or cell groups when I was in church. And, um, I remember I was at, we were asked something about getting married and I was like, well, that's never going to happen. I'm never going to get married. And this was after the first rape. And I was like, I'm never going to get married. And they were asking me like, well, don't you want kids? I was like, yeah, I do. And they were like, well, how are you going to have kids if you don't get married? I'm like, I don't really need to think about that. But the point of what I was saying is because of how I felt after what happened to me, I didn't feel like I wanted to give somebody the power to be able to say, if I want to sleep with you and you don't want me to, I can do it anyway because you're my wife. Because let's just be honest, it's just really something that people are coming out about with now and being comfortable with saying that they were raped by their husbands or that they were coerced into rape. Because to me, sexual coercion is a form of rape. I don't care what anybody says. And so um, the fact that this happened to me by somebody that I knew, I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, I trusted this person. And that's another added layer of um, pain and shame, hurt, disappointment, guilt. It's, it's, it's such an added layer because it's like, how how do you look at yourself when it's almost like you feel like you put yourself in this position because you could not detect that this person was harmful. But that is the way that people who do these things operate. They operate as someone that you can trust. Like if you look at the examples of it, of acquaintances, it says it includes someone that you know. Acquaintance is somebody that you know. And it says um, it could be someone you're dating. And obviously, you're not dating a person who you think is dangerous in most cases. Um, it could be a classmate. You don't think a classmate would do something like that. It could be a coworker, um, an employer. You know, these are people who have public roles. You know what I mean? Um, a counselor, a therapist, religious official, or a doctor. These are not people who you would think would do these things. And then on an intimate level, um, a spouse or someone who you're dating or a family member, 
you know, you think that these people have respect for you. You think that these people value you. You think that these people know you on a personal level and they care about you. So why would they hurt you? So when this does happen by one of these people, it's almost like a serious mindfuck. It is so confusing because it's like, I didn't see this in this person. And it's a, it's a complete shock to the system, in my opinion, to your, to your nervous system. And so, um, like I said, most rapes are perpetrated by a person known to the victim. That is most, it says most, but here we are being taught. Like I kind of got upset about lifetime when I was growing up, it was always somebody in the bar with a stranger. Or it was always somebody that, you know, you the lady was jogging down the street or she was in her house and the person came in and attacked her. And they always make it seem like this person is someone who got out of prison or who was a serial rapist um, who, who was known for doing these things. No one in their right minds will put themselves around a rapist, knowingly a rapist. They just wouldn't. And so... When it comes to these people um, doing these things to to the victims, it's like it, it it does make you kind of flip out in your mind because it's like the shock of this person just completely turning on you and then the act. And then now you're dealing with all this shame and, and guilt and embarrassment. And then the fact that we're even embarrassed, it's like it's just horrible. It says, um, however... The acquaintance rape is less likely to be reported than stranger rape. And I think that's another level of confusion because when you're raped by somebody that you know and they kind of flip the script on you with their personality and with their behavior, you know, they know to say things like nobody's going to believe you. And then if they know certain things about you, like if you were hypersexual or if you did sleep with them before, if they are somebody in position of power, if it is somebody that you're married to, you know, they have some of these people who do these things have a level of authority over people, even if it's just fear. And that makes a person feel like they cannot tell. But if it's a stranger, you have every right to tell because that person attacked you and you didn't know them. And you can prove it and you can go straight to the police. But most times when it's in a when it's in a setting of somebody that, you know, it's not as easy to go to the police because it's not even comprehensible when it happens. So um, it says, um, however, acquaintance rape is less likely to be reported than stranger rape. Thus, crime statistics often underestimate the prevalence of acquaintance rape compared to national surveys. The legal consequences of acquaintance rape are the same as for stranger rape. However, and this is me adding this, acquaintance rape is less reported than stranger rape. That's sad. Um, I want to go down to um, the, I don't want to say the prevalence. I'm not going to do that. The types. There are different types of rape. Um... And it says acquaintance rape is a broad category that includes all rapes except those perpetrated by people previously unknown to the victim. Acquaintance rape, by definition, includes all date rape and marital and other intra-family rape, as well as rape perpetrated by such people such as classmates, co-workers, friends, neighbors, and people in business, employment, or caretaker relations. Relationships, sorry. Prison, prison rape, gang rape, child rape, and statutory rape are often all forms of acquaintance rape. Um, war rape and coercive rape 
I'm sorry, war rape and corrective rape fall under the category of acquaintance rape if the parties have met before the rape took place. This is what I want to get down to because that's that's not what I really wanted to get to. Um, before I read this part, we're kind of just coming to me on the inside. And um, my inner self was just like speaking to me and kind of putting the pieces of the puzzle together for me. And I'm pretty sure that we've all heard that the motivations of rape are not sexual, but power. It's about power and control and, and instilling fear. And so I, my experience, that's not what I felt it was. I felt it was definitely sexually motivated. Um, and so I, I, it happened to me because of some of these things that they claim are myths have been used by the feminist agenda and I am strongly against the feminist agenda um, for reasons that I'm not going to get into however I knew that what happened to me was motivated by sexual desires or sexual gratification um, and that led me to do research and when I did the research I came upon this on, on uh, Wikipedia, and I was looking at what I'm reading, which is with the Wikipedia article for um, acquaintance rape. When you go all the way to the bottom, it says motivations. Acquaintance rape is a broad category, and so the motivations of acquaintance rapists are varied. However, researchers say that acquaintance rapists generally share common characteristics. The ability to enjoy sex even with someone who is intoxicated, crying, pleading, resisting, vomiting, and or unconscious, and an exaggerated sense of entitlement and lack of guilt, remorse, empathy, and compassion for others. Researchers say acquaintance rapists' primary motivation is sexual gratification, and they tend to see their actions as seduction, not rape. Let me take a breath. I'm going to read that again, slower. Acquaintance rape is a broad category, and so the motivations of acquaintance rapists are varied. However, researchers say that acquaintance rapists generally share common characteristics. The ability to enjoy sex even with someone who is intoxicated, crying, pleading, resisting, vomiting, and or unconscious, and an exaggerated sense of entitlement and lack of guilt, remorse, empathy, and compassion for others. This is what they say the motivation of the acquaintance rapist is. Now, this last line, I need you to focus and listen to this. Researchers say acquaintance rapist's primary motivation is sexual gratification. Did you hear that? Researchers say acquaintance rapist's primary motiv motivation is sexual gratification. Yet, we have been told for so many years... And in most articles 
in most books they drill into our heads that rape is not about sex and i'm not trying to be funny but i have rarely i don't remember ever knowing about or hearing a man getting an erection off of fucking power i haven't i know that they i know that power is is mixed in there somewhere but you have to be sexually attracted to someone to want to even have sex furthermore if you cannot have sex with them willingly the 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 desire is still there and so you're going to go beyond their boundaries and you're going to assault them for people who do this they're not thinking about power <clears throat> excuse me so it just kind of threw me off and i think that so many of these well this is what's what it's motivated by and it only happens by these certain people a lot of these things that have been have been taught told and taught to us has caused me personally not to view what happened to me as rape and i have had to go through years of toiling on the inside turmoil because rape is not sexually motivated so they say rape is about power and only hearing and seeing things about rape being perpetrated by a stranger out of nowhere you're never a target by a person that you know you're never lusted after to the point of somebody taking you taking over your body and doing things no it doesn't happen like that it's always it's always a stranger so it's like these kind of things throw me threw me off and i'm thinking when i read articles and i read books and people's testimony they're saying the same thing so my hope is to share and and open up the pandora's box of acquaintance rape unacknowledged rape because the reason why it's called unacknowledged rape is because so many women and men but i'm speaking of only women because i'm not i'm not a man i don't know what it feels like to be a man so many people have gone through a situation where they've been sexually assaulted and they are not aware of what happened to them nor can they fathom it or accept it because they've been taught these certain things but on the inside, our bodies are responding to a threat. But our minds and our knowledge of what we know about these kind of things has kind of been shifted towards if it's somebody that you know it can't happen, it's not, it's, it can't happen. Or, um, you know, if it's, um, if it's, if it's, mo it's not motivated by sex, it's motiva motivated by power. That stuff confuses people. And so now when I read this on Wikipedia and I've actually, you know, looked into the several different types of rapists, because there are like a few different types. It kind of just throws me off. Like, where the fuck is this information and why is it, why is it so under the radar? Why is it so hush hush? But the, but the things they want us to know about it is blowing up everywhere. When in reality, the majority of people who've been raped, their experiences are the things that have been on kept hush hush is by acquaintances mainly not strangers so that's that's very hard to, to handle so it says um i was blown away when i read this it says that um the the continuation of this sentence researchers say acquaintance rapist primary motivation is sexual gratification and 
that they tend to see their actions as seduction, not rape. There was a time when my son's dad, the man that raped me, told me that I seduced him. And it threw me off. It made me wonder. I didn't do anything. But it made me wonder if me simply being in his presence is how I seduced him. So he said. Because he would always tell me after he would do it that he couldn't help himself. I was so beautiful and, you know, he's infatuated by me. I didn't feel that way about him, though. I thought he was nice looking. I thought he was a nice guy. But it threw me off with the part that he would say to me that he that I seduced him. That's crazy. So, um, yeah, it's it's very hard to to deal with this kind of thing. And I'm very happy that I understood, I understand now what has happened. But I can say that and say the opposite, that I'm not happy. Because to be honest, this is so painful that I wish that I kind of would have never opened this up. But it would have probably made me more sick than I kind of feel like I've already become from it. Um, I feel like I still have a chance to get my life to where I want it to be. But I have missed out on so much of my life by not living in my truth because of what happened to me. I've been I've missed out on so much of my life by denying my experience. I didn't want to give it any I didn't want to give it any of my emotions already that I have that I've already given it. Um, I just didn't. And now I'm at a point where I'm trying to rebuild what is left of these ruins that I feel like I've been left in. Um, it is something that boggles my mind every day. It is something that I feel like it's eating me alive and I don't want anybody to tell me oh don't feel like that I don't want anybody to tell me that because the truth of the matter is that is how I feel that may not be the truth but that is how I feel and um I was afraid to invite people personally that I knew to listen to my podcast because it is so personal and I am going to be sharing things that I feel like it's very raw and um, I have to because I'm tired of holding this in so much to the point where I feel like it's making me sick. It has made me sick and I have made life decisions that have affected my growth internally, externally, um, on a social level, on an intimate level. You know, something like this happening, it's like, it's, it's devastating. And um, I know that people don't understand it. I know that people may think, who have not been through it, even people who have been through it, they may not understand it because it, it happens to some people and they can move on. But then there are people like me. <laughs> and it doesn't, you don't move on from it. You do not just move on. Um, I have tried to, but the honest truth is I feel like if I die from anything, it will be from the pain of living with this. And I'm just being honest. 
I can understand why people have hurt themselves. And I, I use ways of hurting myself that people may feel like, you know, that's not a way of self-inflicting pain on myself. But I do. Um, you know, it's it's almost like I need to feel, you know, to a degree I can't even feel my emotions without, I can't even allow my emotions to come up and to express them without the methods of self-harm that I, that I engage in and sometimes indulge in. And nobody, nobody who, if I've never told you, you will never know. Um, I feel like I've been left as an empty shell, very hollow. And I do still have a lot of life to live. I also recognize that 13 years of my life, I think maybe 14, because it happened in 2007, from 2007, September until now, it's almost like I don't even know who I am. Um, yeah, I don't. And that makes me sad because I feel like these, these, this problem is never going to go away. And I, and I want to be honest and say that I don't really think it will. However, I do challenge myself to find color in life, meaning in life, love. I do challenge myself to not ever give up. I challenge myself to stay on the path, stay with the pain, because from the pain can come something beautiful. Like somebody may one day run across this and feel like, wow, I didn't know anybody else felt like I did. And I want to make it okay for people to feel how they feel who've been through this because the honest truth is people who've been raped and who suffer from a form of a form of PTSD is called rape trauma syndrome. People who suffer from PTSD after being raped or sexually abused or assaulted, we we're not okay. But people want us to be okay because it makes them feel better about us not being okay. I don't want to ramble too much. I feel like I've done enough and I've said enough. So I'm going to end it here. Thank you for listening. Two years ago, almost to the date, um, well, it has actually been two years yesterday on the 18th. My son turned 13 yesterday and um, on his 11th birthday, two years ago, my son's dad, for the first time in his life, picked him up and spent a little bit of his birthday with him. And um, upon bringing my son back, I told him, even before he brought him back, I told him that he could keep him for the night because he had never really kept him before. And um, I was going to bring my son some clothes in the morning and pick him up and take him to school. Uh, when I did this, he did not respond. But a few hours later, he returned with my son to drop him off. And um, as a result, I decided that I was not going to let him in. Um, I didn't want to. I wanted him to keep him. 
And so um, that's just what it was. He got he got into my apartment complex. And um, I remember before this day, I was like already kind of going through my little, my issues. I don't want to say little. I don't want to make light of them. But I was going through my issues internally about how I felt about what happened to me. And it's just always been something that has plagued me. I just didn't talk about it as much, I guess. And so um, he came in to my apartment complex. Somebody must have, you know, let him. Somebody probably was walking out and he and Christian just walked in. So he got up to my apartment, started banging on my door. And I went to my door. And when I opened the door, he like hit my door and forcefully tried to come in. And my son was with him, of course, right there. And so um, he yelled something very derogatory towards me that triggered me. And I'm not going to say what he said, but the fact of the matter is he said it. And it caused me to have a flashback. It It caused me to have somewhat I believe it was simply an I just kind of lost contact with reality for a minute actually a few days to be honest at the time I didn't realize what was going on I'm I'm still very shocked at these events that happened to me um I guess I kind of separate I think because of the dissociation I kind of separate myself from what's happening when it happens, and so now that it's over, when I try to integrate it or think about it, like when it comes to me, it's like it's it's rejected right away because it's just, I just, I wasn't there. So he yelled this, 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 he yelled something at me, some words, and it was a threat in the form of what he had already done to me. And it, it, it really it made me leave my body and um, that's what happened. So um, I spent the next two days after that out of it, not able to drive, crying, shaking, not able to speak. Um, I really just could not and still somewhat cannot believe that this happened to me. So bear with me (laughs) because um, it just doesn't feel like it's real. But I know that it is because it's like I don't I try to I try so hard for so many years to block it out and all this stuff. So when that happened two years ago at my door. I have not been the same. Yeah, I think it's very easy for me to be traumatized due to due to so much happening to me in my life. It's just I just I remember when I was molested when I was younger by my great uncle. And I remember that I blocked that out. And then the reason why I blocked it out is because later on when I had a flashback, I was in the top of the ceiling in a corner. As a kid, looking down at myself, and that's what I had a flashback of. Um, at one point, I was 
in my uncle's, I was sitting on my uncle's lap, one part of the flashback, and then another part of the flashback, I was seeing myself from above, like being molested. So I know that I am easily able to dissociate when I feel like I'm in danger. And so um, this, this situation didn't make it any better. And so, like I said, that's that's what happened. And, um, yeah. So, two days later. Well, let me see, 18. So, three days later, um, after being completely out of it for two days, uh, crying, sleeping, barely eating. Like, I was almost, I just really went to a state of, I scared myself. I don't know how I got through those those couple of days. And on the third day, on the 21st of February, at 4.39 a.m., I went downstairs to my gym in my apartment building, and I, uh, went, to, I went to exercise. And I, I would like to tell this story from the angle of what caused me to write this poem. Um, I guess I can share it now. So the 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 twenty second of February, the tw- I'm sorry, the twentieth of February. That night, um, I had a boyfriend at the time, and he and I were being intimate, and um, for the first time, while this was happening, I had a flashback that completely overtook me, and. I started to weep at the same time that I was feeling this pleasure because the emotional pain was just way too strong. It was so overwhelming. And I I just like it's almost like something made me really see what happened to me to the point where it was like you can no longer deny this. It's here. And I just lost it right in the middle of being intimate. Um and that caused me from from breathing the way that I was, like almost panicking. And I, I do remember I tried to fight him and he just held me and kept doing what he was doing. And I, I didn't mind because I think that some part of him knew that I was struggling. Well, I know he did. And he did not make me feel like I was not safe, but he made me feel like I was in a safe space to be able to feel how I felt and still hold me through that and still make me feel really good through what I was feeling. And those emotions coupled with the feeling of what was happening, what he was doing to me, caused me to have a squirting orgasm. And I had never had that before. Um, And so as a result, all of this fluid came out of me and it just made me cry even harder. And it was like such a blissful but traumatic experience. And the only part of it that was traumatic was what I saw and what I realized and what I came face to face with. And the way I can describe coming face to face with the fact that I was raped is is likened to being, some, you know, those kiddie pools at the uh, at, at like the little parks or whatever. Um they, they, they're for kids. And so they're not deep at all. 
unless you lay down in them. And it's almost like I was underwater laying down in one of those types of pools. And um, somebody was straddling me, him, the person who did this to me. And he had his hands around my neck. This is what I'm liking it to. Like being underwater, suffocated, being raped. That's how it felt to me. Like I was not the act of what happened, but just living with this for all these years in secret and not really, um, you know, just not really dealing with it. It's like I was underwater with this man sitting on top of me with his hands on my neck, both of them. And all I can see is him. So I was going through my life all these years feeling like I couldn't breathe, feeling like I was underwater, but clearly being able to see the problem, but not being able to talk and not being able to even, I couldn't breathe in life. I was always uptight. I was very rigid. I was very ashamed. I was, I was, it was horrible. And then when I um, began to have this, this, this orgasm, this type of orgasm, it's almost like he got off of me and I took a deep breath for the first time in all these years. And it was like, <gasps> and I was like, and it was, it just was very traumatic because it was like, oh my God, I was raped. That's how I felt after all of this stuff came out of me. The, the orgasm is, it, it was just, man, it was exhausting. Um, and after, after that, um, I was no longer held hostage under the water by him in a figurative way of speaking. I'm going to probably, I want, I want somebody to draw that picture for me because I, I need a clear depiction of that because it's, that's what came to my mind. Like for years he had been holding me underwater and, um, the water represents emotions and, um, my emotions, I was in them, but I could not express them. I felt them, but I couldn't express them. I couldn't even explore them. They were just, I was just saturated in them, but I could not get them out. And so um, as a result of having this type of orgasm and weeping very, very loud, I was very shocked that this happened to me. Um, I am still very shocked about this situation as well as me being raped so after that happened I went to sleep for a few hours peacefully and then I woke up and I had so much fucking energy I had never felt that light in my life that I can remember and so I got up took a shower and I was like I'm getting ready to go downstairs and and exercise <laughs> I just had so much energy and so um, this this is what happened when I went downstairs to exercise. I'm an analytical person. I think a lot. And um, I do a lot of introspection. And so I was just on the treadmill. And then all of a sudden, this is what came to me. This is a poem I wrote February 21st, 2020 at 4.39 a.m. The poem is called Last Night I Wept. And I'm actually going to read this poem um, just separate. I'm going to read it now, but I'm going to read it separate so that if anybody wants to just get straight to the poem and not hear everything that I just said, they can do that. Because I don't, I don't like having to wait to get to things either. 
So um, I wouldn't mind doing that. I'm going to try and read this slowly. I'm going to try to breathe. It is not easy for me to read something that is so intimate um, for me that I wrote. And I don't like reading this poem, but I feel like it may help someone. So I'm going to read it. And the poem, again, is called Last Night I Wept. Acceptance of being raped was my biggest stumbling block. I just couldn't accept that someone had taken my power, my voice. I cried so many tears, but my cries were silent. How could you put a sound with shame? My pain brought him pleasure. My struggle gave him strength. Last night I wept. You were someone I started to trust. Your demon of lust fueled your thrust. That's where I began to get stuck. You hurt me in ways I never imagined. Pain inflicted so deep that at times wouldn't even allow me to speak. Confused and out of touch with reality, you forced it in my head that no one could be trusted. Last night I wept. For all of the years that I've pushed my experience to the far corners of my mind, it is my soul that I am seeking to find among the wreckage of what has now become my life. The thought of what you did to me makes me lose my breath. It's like I'm under the water in the deepest of the depths. All I need is for someone to find me. Last night I wept. That night I died a death that I will never stop dying. You took me from me and left a hollow imposter. I've been wanting to break out of this jail for so long now. And last night I did just that. Breathe, Ashley. Last night I wept. Sex is spiritual. Some say that the two words, spirit and soul, go hand in hand. If that's true, then you took the power to believe from me. You took my last little bit of innocence. You inflicted a veil of shame, guilt, and panic throughout my entire being. But you couldn't keep my divinity away from me. Last night I wept. No such crime against a person is as heinous as rape. I struggle with blaming myself for the plans you had for me that I did not see coming. I still struggle with if I could have just gotten you off of me, if only I had fought harder, you wouldn't have raped me. Up until this point in my life, I struggled with who is to blame. There was nothing I could do. I was raped. Last night, I wept. Last night, I let out the shame, the pain, the guilt, the hurt, the blame. Last night, I screamed over and over in agony of what has been my reality. You overpowered me. I did the best I could do. Ashley, the little you, the older you, did the very best that you could do. Last night I wept for you, Ashley. I saw you. I heard you. And I am so sorry that this happened to you. Last night I wept. So that is my poem that I wrote. Um, as a result of going through that experience and... For the first time, I felt like I was able to put sound to my pain because I did not like. One thing I did, made sure that I did or did not do when I was 
being raped the first time by him and any other time is I did not allow myself to cry. I did not want to make any noise because something in me knew that if I made any type of noise or made any type of movement, he was going to be more turned on and probably it was going to get worse. So for years, I would cry in silent silence and I would never, I would, I just didn't want to make any noise. I didn't even want to feel or hear myself on the outside. I didn't, I didn't even want to hear anything. I just wanted to keep all of it in. And so the fact that I was able to let go in that moment and release those feelings and that experience, um, it has been such a tremendous healing way of expressing myself. Um, I have really honestly grown a lot. Um, it honestly hurts. Even though it felt good to get out, it hurts really, really bad because putting a sound to something that I kind of was in denial about made it real. I could hear myself with my ears and I just always just felt like maybe I'm tripping, like maybe this didn't happen to me, like denial, trying to find some way or some reason to make this not real because to make it real and to admit it, I I felt like I would die. Honestly, I still do. I'm not going to lie. Um, wow. I had to really stop myself from crying just now. Um, yeah, sometimes I just get really stuck because again, like my mind is like, Hell no, we not for the, we not getting ready to face this. We don't want to face this. This is too painful. Let's think about something else. Um, let's block that. Like I know how to block all emotions when it comes to these things, to this stuff coming to my mind. And that's not good. Um, one day I was listening to Iyanla Van Zandt. She did some type of tour and um, she named three ways to, or three things you, you can do. And it was to heal. No, it was to feel the pain deal with the pain so that you can heal the pain and I've always been against for myself feeling it I, I stopped all feeling for so many years now there were times when I would let myself cry but I would do it grudgingly like Ugh, I this feels so yucky like that's how I would feel and I would be like in the in the, the tears would grudgingly come out I would like scream in my pillow and even talking about this now makes me so fucking angry at myself because it's like, what the hell? Why would you hold this in? Why would you feel, why would you feel like, it's almost like I was punishing and hurting myself for, for what happened to me and the fact that I could not help myself. Like I still feel so much fucking anger and so much rage because I want to, I can't even say what I want to do. I feel fucking angry. And I feel like I want to fight. And that's why I guess when I was being intimate and I had this flashback, I guess that's why I did fight. That was my first time expressing myself physically. Like, 
I can feel it right now. I want to fight. And I'm like, I got to find a way to get this anger out of me. So I I know that I'm not the only person that deals with these things. And then let me tell you about the after effects of this. I'm going to talk for a few more minutes and then I'm going to be done because I don't want to make these long at all. Um, the after effects of that particular trigger um, opened me up to like all of it. So like over since that happened to me in 2020, the moment that happened, I have been dealing with triggers ever since. And as I continue making these episodes and divulging more of my story, my experience, I think people will start to see why it is so hard for me because it didn't happen just one time. And he never he never lied and said that it he lied and said it didn't happen, but it was in a sense of it was manipulation. But he always came right out and said that he did it. But what happened after that was I have been having pieces of the puzzle of this situation, of this this life event unfold to the point where now I see the bigger picture. It wasn't just one time. For all these years, consciously, I was conscious of the first time. But all these years, I was not conscious of all the other times. And so, after this flashback happened, I started having flashbacks of the other times. And then I started having flashbacks of the ways he would manipulate me. And then I started having flashbacks of being pregnant and how he tried to rape me when I was pregnant and sat on my stomach. And how excited he got when I tried to fight him. And like, this shit is crazy. Like, all of the manipulation. The entire pregnancy that I went through. And I went through that alone. Like, I am having to grieve all of this shit as if it happened yester fucking day. And my son is 13 years old. You know how weird that is? Because I hear people all the time. Why didn't they tell? And why are they bringing this up now? I'm going to tell you why. It is proven, a proven fact, that when something like this happens to a person, it can take up to 10 fucking years for the psyche to come to terms and for the person to see what happened to them as rape. Do you know how devastating that was for me? It had been 10 years plus one year. 11 years. A decade and one year. Until I fully consciously recognized, realized, and felt on, on so many different levels. Just how I was raped and how this affected me. And how I've been, I had been living a lie. All of those fucking years to the point where now I'm two years into my healing journey and I don't even know who the fuck I am. I didn't even know what my favorite color was. I didn't even know what I liked. You know, men would ask me questions about myself and I didn't even know what to say because I formed my identity around being a mom to the child that was conceived from rape. And I even said when I was pregnant with him, I'm never going to look at you 
or think about you as a rape baby. Deny my experience right there. Because the fact of the matter is, he was and he is. And in order for me to love him and to not see him as that, I had to deny my experience. So I did it to me for a good reason. But in reality, that good reason was not good enough, nor did it save my psyche, the burden of what I have to live with now. And when you hide things and you ignore things and you keep things secretive like this, it's always going to come back. It's always going to come back. And it's going to come back as if it just happened. Life doesn't stop. But that thing is going to stop you in your fucking tracks. And it's going to make you acknowledge it. It's going to make you see it for what it is. And that's what happened to me. That's what's happening to me. And so many people don't understand why I have to talk about this so much. Hell, sometimes I don't even know. Um, so many people, I feel like I'm dissociating even right now. I hate this. I hate this. I'm not going to hide how I feel. I did that before. I'm not going to make anybody comfortable with hiding it. I'm not going to, and I don't want to suppress myself any more than I already have. I'm going to just be raw and open and unfiltered because for so long I was not that. I was the opposite. This shit hurts. This shit is devastating to me when I had to realize and when I came to the realization and the acceptance which I'm still coming to the acceptance that I have been one second I'm gonna end this I have to